0: In preparation for today's message, we shall be reading from the book of Exodus, chapter 14, verses 1 to 14. Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Tell the sons of Israel to turn back and camp before Piahiroth, between Migdal and the sea. You shall camp in front of Baal-Zaphon, opposite it, by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the sons of Israel, They are wandering aimlessly in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. This I will harden Pharaoh's heart and he will chase after them. And I will be honored through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his servants had a change of heart toward the people. And they said, What is this we have done, that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made his chariot ready and took his people with him. And he took six hundred select chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he chased after the sons of Israel, as the sons of Israel were going out boldly. Then the Egyptians chased after them with all the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen, and his army. And they overtook them, camping by the sea, beside Pyahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. As Pharaoh drew near, the sons of Israel looked, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Then they said to Moses, Is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the word that we have spoke to you in Egypt, saying, Leave us alone, that we may serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to the people, Do not fear. Stand by and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Praise God for the reading of his word. You may now be seated.
1: Our God is good. Before I, I begin a sermon on Exodus 14, 1-14, I'd like to go to something fundamental, a reminder for us all, and an encouragement, that we should read the Bible, study the Bible, and obey the Bible. Amen. Very fundamental, but that is it. That, well, we study because we believe. We read because we believe. Some people have this concept that they have a relationship with God without the Holy Scriptures. I'd like to say that God's word is God's message to you me to us as a body and to us personally praying to God is us communicating to him why because we have a relationship with him reading the Bible and studying the Bible is us listening to God understanding what he says trusting, having faith in what he says, and aligning our lives to what the scripture says. I believe in one statement that one preacher said, your relationship with the Bible reflects your relationship with God. If you ignore the Holy Scriptures, even if you say you love God, you're actually ignoring him. If you don't treat with reverence, with respect, what he said, then you are not respecting God. It reflects your relationship with God. I encourage you to overcome whatever laziness you have in this relationship you have with God. The Bible calls, the Holy Spirit moves you, invites you to open the scriptures, and be hungry, be thirsty, for the Word of God. And beyond that, I encourage you to study in its context. Why? We want to understand God's Word based on the context of what the verses say, the chapter says, the book says. Do not interpret a verse separate from the whole context. And of course, within the context of the whole Bible. There are many people who love to quote the Bible, who likes to say what it says. The Bible says that's wonderful, although we cannot stop there. There's a difference between saying what the Bible says and explaining what the Bible means. We attempt every Sunday to share God's word to you. We do our homework. We meet, uh, different preachers meet to analyze, I usually prepare the outline and study ahead of everybody, and they are allowed to critique, to add, to subtract, to change based on all of our studies in the Holy Scriptures. We do this because we respect you. We want to share to you as accurate as we can, not just what the Bible says and give our own interpretation, but find out what the authors meant. What was the meaning of the author in that context? And once we understand that, then we encourage you to apply what the Word of God says. And that application should be rooted in the meaning of that piece of passage. That's why I'm conservative. We belong to the conservative Baptist Association of the Philippines. It's an association, not a denomination. I'd like to clarify that. I do not... We are self-governing, but we join an association of brothers uh, and sisters to help one another. But each local church is independent based on their eldership. So I encourage you, as we study now God's Word, please, after tonight, after today, go home, review the text... Analyze it and find out the dominant theme of what it's saying. Don't focus on the little details. Focus first on the dominant theme. I pray that all of us would be humble enough to learn from God's word. I realize the more we study God's word, the humbler we should become in terms of explaining its meaning. We struggle We spend hours every week, I spend hours every week learning the scriptures, myself and from others. Every week, hours of that, so that I may grow, that I may be accurate. But I was not like that before. So I'd like to say to my brothers and sisters here, perhaps you're getting, so far, the best of what God has made me in preaching. Because once upon a time, When I hear somebody preach, I'd like to copy it without checking. Right now, I check everything. I actually encourage you to do the same to me. I only say what Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Beyond that, do not please, because nobody is perfect. But we preachers must try to be so. So we come, Exodus 14 They camped at Sukkot, they traveled. They traveled estimated three days, some estimated to be more. Day and night they traveled. And some, the psalmist, the singer, the composer said that not one of them stumbled. Can you imagine even the little ones traveling day and night and not one was feeble, not one was weak. God supernaturally endowed them with strength. That's why when you pray for strength, when you are physically weak, but you still have to finish that report for your academics, trust God that at times, yes, supernaturally, he does strengthen you. And even at work, physically, he will strengthen us. I remember doing my studies. I would wake up in the morning until today. It happens to me. And at the time that I should be really sleepy, then I would sense my body satisfied with sleep and my mind active, hyperactive. So I say it is God's grace. As God has graced Israel to travel, they were empowered to do so. And then they were camped at a certain location, Pihahirov. It was a location where Two to three million people can be accommodated. Remember, it's a wilderness, some part mountainous, some part nothing grows. At that part, they were able to gather. And when Pharaoh saw it, they're lost. They're right in front of the sea. They don't know what they're doing. They do not know where they are going. You see, God was not done with Pharaoh. Remember that Pharaoh hardened his heart against God's word. Moses came to him, but Pharaoh hardened his heart. And as Pharaoh kept hardening his heart, then at a certain point it says there, now it was God hardening his heart. That's why even Paul in the book of Corinthians says to us, to the believers, do not harden your heart. Do not harden your heart. Listen to God's word. Do not be stubborn against the word of God. Why part of the judgment of God is you get worse. So friends, come to the Lord. Come back to the Lord. Do not stray far. And sometimes when people get worse, we try our best to bring them back, to share the word. But they will get worse because sometimes it's part of God's judgment and Discipline. God was not done with Pharaoh. So I ask you, who would want to be Pharaoh here? Anybody? To be made an example of God's judgment. I do not want to be. (laughs) Praise God. I trust, Lord, that I am not a Pharaoh. I trust, too, that you are not. There would be one more final judgment. Well, Not really a judgment, but yes, a judgment. But not in the form of a plague this time. But in the form of a military victory for God and a military defeat for Egypt. Egypt was proud of its gods. They have so many gods. So many gods. And their mythology is full of this god... uh, joined with this God, this female God, and they had a son, and this became this God, and that God, and they killed one another. They depict them as humans, contrary to the God of Israel, which is there's one God who is all powerful. And the plagues were actually a challenge to the Egyptians. When the magicians could no longer duplicate what Moses was doing by the power of God, And the magicians of Egypt were full of boils and they could not even face Moses. But even the Egyptians told Pharaoh, we are suffering here. Why don't you let them go? It was a victory for God as God is the only God and there are no other gods compared to God. But then there was one more display, one more display of power. Because Egypt is proud of its military might. They were the superpower at that time. They had chariots. They had infantry. They had an Egyptian army. God would defeat the Egyptian Egyptian army in a supernatural way. God would trigger Pharaoh to pursue Israel with a grand army. He would have a change of heart. The Egyptians would have a change of heart. Why did we let them go? Let's pursue them. They were letting go of their labor force. The sad reality of economics or the building of an empire is this. It has to be built with labor. And in history, it's either it was slave labor or cheap labor. Even the U.S. in its history had slaves, African-Americans. The Chinese were there, but they were not treated as slaves. They were allowed to work, but with very low pay, still an abuse. Cheap labor. How did China became powerful economically in the last 20, 30 years? There was cheap labor there. That's where the companies moved. To have their manufacturing. Cheap labor. They're letting go of cheap labor. Let's pursue them. As God prepared the judgment against Pharaoh. Which would be a military defeat. Aside from killing the firstborn. We observe something disturbing with the people of Israel. They prayed. They cried out to God. Yet they grumbled and complained against Moses, the servant that God used mightily. Yet God's servant would proclaim the salvation of the Lord. Number one, let me review this with you. God hardened the heart of Pharaoh. That's what God did. Pharaoh and the Egyptians had a change of heart, as we discussed. They regretted letting Israel go. Thus, they tried to chase Israel with an army, which included 600 choiced chariots. God would prove to the Egyptians that he is the Lord. When you see capital L-O-R-D in your Bibles, it is the proper name of Yahweh, Y-H-W-H. Others pronounce it Yewah. The Germans pronounce it, pronounce it Jehovah, but it is the name that God introduced himself. Because prior, God, they did not know the name of God, except that he is the Almighty, the El Shaddai. But he is not just the Almighty, is Yahweh. When he was asked by Moses, what is your name? He just said, I am. Actually, the complete Hebrew phrase is, I am what I am, or I am who I choose to be. God is God. You see, this would bring honor to his name. The defeats of the Egyptian army would show that God is more powerful than the mightiest army on earth that time. You see, Israel may be a lot of people. Nearly 3 million, 600,000 men. It is an army, but they did not have the equipment. They did not have the horses nor the chariots. They did not have the swords and the shields. Or if they did, they were ill-equipped. Not ready for war. So God would show that he is almighty, all-powerful, even against Egypt. In their mythology, there's the God of the sea and the God of the storm. The God of Israel says, what are you talking about? I am all this. I am the only one, the all-powerful God. And we will see that he will open the Red Sea for, for Israel. Well, it's actually the Sea of Reeds, not the Red Sea. There was a translation mistake, according to some scholars, God hardened the heart of Pharaoh because God would judge Pharaoh and God would want to honor his name. Remember, God was introducing himself to the world at this time. In Genesis, he introduced himself to a family, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And the sons understood who God was, the covenant God of Abraham. But this time, it was on a national and worldwide scale because at that time, whatever would happen there, the known world at that time would understand who God is. The known world for the writers of that time would know who God is, the all-powerful God. So here was Israel camped, the sea of reeds right in front of them, and then Pharaoh was chasing at the back with chariots. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel were frightened Of course, who would not be? They they were frightened. They cried out to God. Yes, verses 10 to 12 says that. Can we bring that up? Verses 10 to 12. Let us read that part. See, they cried out to God. However, they blamed Moses and regretted that Moses delivered them. Let's read. As Pharaoh draw Near, the sons of Israel looked and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them. And they became very frightened. So the sons of Israel cried out to the Lord. Praise God, they know how to pray, right? Yes, they prayed. Short prayer, help. And sometimes we say those prayers, help, Lord. And then what happened? Then they said to Moses, you see, sometimes this is us. We pray to God and blame others. Does that sound familiar? Lord. Then when we see somebody we can blame, ikaw Then they said to Moses, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? Fantastic sarcasm, Right? Fantastic sarcasm. You see, sarcasm is an art of comedians. This was sarcasm from a frightened, not comedic actually, but from frightened people. Oh, is it because there were no graves in Egypt that you sent us here to die? Logically, that was what you would think. Because in front of you is the sea and the Egyptian army is at the back. There's nowhere to hide. And God... Purposely sent them there because there was nowhere to hide so that what? They can only now learn to trust God. Sometimes God would bring you to the end of your rope to the point when you don't know what to do. You have thought of every option, every option you thought, you thought about, yet nothing. You tried to think about every solution, yet there was nothing. You are at the end. At the end. And they were at the end. Why have you dealt with us in this way, bringing us out of Egypt? Why did you take us away from Egypt? They were actually felt that it was better in Egypt. I will explain why in a little bit. Is this not the word that we spoke to you? Didn't we say to you, They were reminding Moses of something they said. Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Leave us alone. Didn't we say that? They prayed to God, but the visible person was Moses. There's somebody to blame, right? Let me explain why they reacted that way. One is obvious. They felt they were going to die. So when people die, the true self comes out. I mean, when people are threatened of death, the true self comes out. It is amazing that that, um, in this war in the Middle East, especially in Syria, many Syrian believers died. They were threatened. Stop believing. Renounce your faith in Christ. Renounce your faith in the Bible. They did not renounce their faith. That was their true self. That was what was in their hearts. What was in the hearts of these people were, they were afraid to die. But not only that. Remember that before Egypt, they were like nomads. Jacob was traveling with his family. He tried to settle in some place. He bought some places, yet he his Abraham bought a place, Jacob bought a place in Shechem, and, but they were not settled. In Egypt, they were given a place, Goshen. This is your place. They were settled. And you know what? They were not only settled, they had a roof over their head. They had a place to call home. How were they able, the parents of Moses, how were they able to hide a baby? A baby cries. They were able to hide him because they have a place to hide him. A place where it's probably a little more soundproof. You see, the Israelites have a place they call home. Yes, they were slaves, but they have a place to go home to. And another thing, they have food on the table. You see, when Moses say, let's go out, they camped at Sukkot. You know what Sukkot means? Booths. They came to a place where they built temporary structures under the sky. And you know, probably what they were thinking, what have I done? Is this the right thing? Mm. They were having a crisis in them. Is this the right thing to follow this guy Moses? Is this really what the Lord wants? Or, Or should we be in Egypt? We have nothing. We're going to a land called a promised land and we're leaving this work of ours. Yes, we were slaves, but we ate, and we have homes. So that's why the language, didn't we tell you, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. And you know, there's a great parallel here about the world, our life, and then Jesus Christ. As Jesus calls us to a land of promise that we do not see, heaven, a crystal city, a place where he would be with many mansions. As he said, follow me and I prepare a place for you. He's actually saying, leave whatever thoughts, philosophy or lifestyle you have and follow me. And some of us have that crisis whether we want to follow him or not. Some of us have one foot trying to believe in him and one foot still in the pleasures of the world. We're trying To get the best of both worlds, I say to you, do not. For Christ will take care of us. Trust him. As God planned for Israel to have a land flowing with milk and honey as they have today. Do you know that's literal today? If you look at Israeli agriculture today, find it in YouTube or on the internet. Israeli technology, they actually have a lot of milk and honey. Literal. From where? They have great agriculture in the desert. See, God would take care of his people. So I say, my brothers and sisters, if somebody brings you to follow God's word, do not blame them. Amen? If you have a crisis, call out to God, but you don't have to blame others for it. And if you have that habit of blaming, please pray deeply that the Lord would change your heart and mind and words. You know why? Your relationships will suffer. Our relationships will suffer if we love to blame. I say to you single people, do not marry a person who loves to blame. Oh yes, they don't teach you that. They only say to you, ooh, you like him, you like her, ooh, but never given wisdom. I say to you, brothers and sisters, and if you are married and we got used to the blame game, right? Let me just say, let us change our ways. As Moses, what would Moses do? He tried to make them focus on God. They were blaming him. Moses, good preacher, right? They were blaming him and then he just said, oh, look there. He built their faith Moses tried to encourage the people, number three, not to fear, but rather to see the salvation of the Lord. Moses declared that the Egyptians that they saw that day, they will never see again. Moses further asserted to the people that God will fight for them while they keep silent. Let's read that, verses 13 and 14. You see, these are just two verses, but let's read it. But Moses said to the people, after getting blamed, right? Egyptians at the back, chasing them, but he said, Do not fear. Can you say with me, do not fear? Do not fear. Say to your neighbor, do not fear. fear. And Moses said, Stand by, stand by and see. Huh. Stand by and see what? The salvation of the Lord. It means chill, relax, stay where you are, wait, stand by. And see the salvation of the Lord which he will accomplish for you today. Before we go to the next verse, do you see the word stand by? It's the same phrase used with the sister Miriam as she was watching. Stand by and see the salvation of God. Miriam, when he, she was watching the baby Moses go down the river, she was watching. Actually, she was standing by to see what God would do. Why? She received a word from God. She was a prophetess. She knew deep in her heart that this baby is different. This is our salvation. God will use this person to deliver us. So as she was watching Moses, the same Hebrew phrase, watching and seeing, because Moses should have been dead. He was a baby boy. Baby boys died during that time because of the order of Pharaoh. She stood by and saw until she saw baby was seen by Pharaoh's daughter. And at that moment, she acted do you want a yaya? Do you want a nanny? I'll get one. And Pharaoh's daughter said, yes, please get one. I will pay her. And what did Miriam do? The sister of Moses got the mother of Moses to be the yaya and she was paid doing it. I always say, is it wonderful, mommies, to be paid taking care of your child? This was a great setup, a fantastic setup. And this is where I see the humor of God amazing so it's the same saying to them watch and see stand by watch and see what happens friends when you are attacked on all sides because you are faithful take note. because you are faithful not because you are stubborn there's a difference by the way you get attacked when you're stubborn if you're stubborn against god god may sometimes allow it to happen for you to get disciplined like Pharaoh but if you have the grace of God you are passed from judgment amen Amen. so do not be stubborn if you are truly in Christ do not be stubborn against God's word make that your decision because if you're attacked on all sides because you trust God and you trust his word because you obeyed his word that people attacked you you were persecuted What's the message to us? What do we understand in the text? What does it mean to us? Watch and see. Observe what God will do. So every trial I had in my life, what my wife and family had, whether it was financial or whatever, my first response is, okay, Lord, I will watch and see how you will deal with this one. I will asking for wisdom, what will I do, yet I know it's not the efforts I do, yet I do the efforts, I take care of it, yet many times I know. I have reached the end, there's nothing more I can do. There's nothing more in human wisdom that I can do. And that point is like that, we have to trust God. Trust God because sometimes you'll be put at the end of your life, or at the end of problems and choices, now watch and see. Please do not run. Good thing Moses said watch and see. Because what's the natural tendency is to run. However, God placed them there so that there's nowhere to run. Some of us run around everywhere getting solutions instead of kneeling down and waiting on the Lord. Instead of looking at scripture, the wisdom of scripture, we run around everywhere. Ah, Sometimes God will cut all the places you can run to so that you can look up and say, okay, Lord, this time I trust you first. This time I have faith in you first. This time I will rely on you. So Moses said, do not fear, stand by, stand by, see, see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. And for the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you will never see them again forever. And verse 14, this is a good verse to memorize. The Lord will fight for you while you keep silent. Why did Moses say keep silent? Because they were blaming him. Not only that, that is partial. It's good. It's all, even in the Psalms, be still. Sometimes I wait silently for you, Lord. Part of the exercise in prayer is keeping your mind and your emotions silent. Some people only know to pray is to talk, talk, talk. It's just amazing. People can talk to God for an hour without getting tired. But I say to you, prayer is not only talking Prayer is being silent and meditative, reflecting. Here, it's not just be silent, but also look, see the salvation of God. So I say to you, please be silent at times. Amen? Look to the salvation of God. Sometimes you're full of emotion because you have so many problems that you want to say everything and you feel that's the release you're going to get. Yes, sometimes it's good to talk with somebody and share that prayer request and somebody pray for you, but there are times we just have to be quiet and be silent and enjoy the presence of God. No matter what the problem is around you, learn to tame the emotion. From fear to trust, from fear to faith, from worry and anxiety to faith. Do you have problems today? Some of us do. Some of us have very small problems. We just make it big, right? Some of us have very, very big problems. And I appreciate whenever I saw you that you make it small. A problem is a problem. But there's no difference with a small and big problem because God is the same. Did you hear me? Whether it's very big or very small, that doesn't make a difference to God. He is infinite. He is infinitely wise. He is all-powerful and all-knowing. There is no difference. So my friends, your level of reaction to a small problem and a big problem, I tell you, it's the same. It's a problem. If you have surrendered everything, it doesn't matter if you lose everything. I just trust God. But God is so good. Even as we, they left Egypt from their homes, their, temp, their homes in Egypt, they left it. They had work. But it wasn't their nation. They left. But God, at the same time as God was delivering them, God was judging Pharaoh. Sometimes God does two things at the same times or many things at the same times. God is both judge and defender. Trust him, follow him, and he is your defender. Fight him, then he is your judge. I leave the choice with you. In application, quickly, our God is great. Can you say, our God is great? Our God is great. Praise God. You see, there is no other. There is no other. He will tolerate no other gods, nor will he tolerate people who worship other gods. If you worship other gods, you will be judged by one day. And remember this, brothers and sisters, anything you put higher than God is a form of idolatry. Anything more important than God is a form of idolatry. It is a form of false gods. If you love one person more than God, then that is a form of idolatry. What occupies your mind most, instead of being rooted in God, is a form of idolatry. Yes, we have needs. Yes, we have problems. But I say to you, look to God instead of those problems. I'm not saying ignore and don't solve those problems. You know the Egyptians are there. You know they're there. But then you have to wait and see the salvation of God. Everyone will have their day in judgment. Therefore, we must fear God and honor God. He said, I will be honored. My name will be honored through Pharaoh and the defeat of the Egyptians. It's in the text. So I say to us, let us fear God and honor God. Number two, trust God. Can you say trust God? God. Remember this, do not fear people. Even in the face of death, then just die. Amen? (laughs) To die is gain. Paul said to die is gain. We discussed this before. Please do not fear death when it comes. I'm not saying be willing to die immediately for no reason. We're not promoting that. We're not promoting the self annihilation of men. No, we are saying this life is precious. We take care of it. When I gave myself to Jesus Christ, I surrendered myself. My life is no longer my own, including my body, which I have to take care of. We should not fear people. Do not even fear difficult situations. Say in your heart, no fear. fear. Say it again, no fear. fear. But don't put no fear without trust God. There has to be trust God, no fear. That's the logic, okay? You have to connect that. Don't just say no fear. No, where's the trust God? Trust God, then no fear. Do not even fear problems. What's the worst that can happen? Some of you fear you don't have tuition fee to pay as if the end of the world. I say no, trust God. Trust God. If there's nothing to pay for tuition, trust God, he will make a way. I remember before when I was, we were a young couple, and then our kids will have to go to school. And uh, I came from literally just serving the Lord full time without much of self-support. And at times even we, businesses didn't work quickly. It wasn't doing well then and there was nothing to pay for tuition fee you see if you live in the center of ortiga center everything is expensive i mean tuition fees were outrageously crazy so i said lord i cannot afford make away so we discovered and we committed ourselves to home study homeschool and we never regretted that decision ever Ever, I hope you did not regret that. No, 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 you did not, praise God. (laughs) You see, they can just wake up still with hair that's not even fixed and open their book, and it's time to go to school. Less stress. I remember waking up when I was in school. I was be awake 5.30 (laughs) a.m., The bus is coming. Maiwan ng bus. That's why in school there's a lot of fights. You know why? Children must sleep more. Right? Let them sleep 10 hours. Amen. Don't worry. Oh yeah, one of the fathers said, but you have to sleep early. <laughs> yes, listen to your fathers and mothers sleep early. I heard one of the, one of the professors in Ateneus said, you know, the sign of old age is this. You may not admit it, but it's beginning. When you lie down, you can't sleep. But when you sit down, you sleepy. <laughs> sign of old age. Some of you here are getting old, I can see. Because when I preach, you're... No, you're not. I'm happy that you're attentive. (laughs) Do not fear death. Please do not change for the worse. When you trust God, do not go back to your old self. Just trust God. Don't change for the worse. Some of us change when problems do not change. Stay the same. Trust God. Stay the same trusting God. And do not complain, please. First, understand. And then help be the solution in your family. Do not complain first. Help. Do not blame others, especially those that God used to guide you. Trust God, trust God, trust God. Number three, like Moses, we must keep pointing people to God. Even if they speak against us, parents, if your children do not accept the word of God at times, keep praying for them, keep pointing them to God all the time. Sometimes you have to be quiet and let them learn through their mistakes. Hopefully they will have, I call, the right mistakes. What is a right mistake? Hopefully mistakes that they will never regret forever in their lives. Children, be careful. There are mistakes and sins you will regret forever. Do not cross the line. It's in scripture. Do not commit adultery. Do not commit fornication. Do not Commit premarital sex. Sex in marriage is applauded by God. That's a metaphor. But sex outside marriage, God is not pleased with that. And judgment is around the corner through STDs. Like Moses, we must keep pointing everyone to the Lord. In the new covenant, we must point people to Christ. Christ. Keep pointing to Christ. Please don't point to you because we are not a perfect example. We are a good example, Some, a lot of us. Praise God. God changed your lives. I have observed a lot of your lives. And praise God for that. But then we are still imperfect. That's why I remind us preachers, we may share part of our experience that supports the text, the text of scripture. But we can only share a portion of it during a sermon. Why? Because it's not about us. Although we must be great examples by God's grace, by God's grace alone. But we must point you to whom? To Christ. We must point you to the word of God. This is what the Bible says and this is what the Bible means. Therefore, we must live in this way. We must point everyone there. But to Christ, he gives us eternal life. And that was why he came here. He came here to save the lost he came here to heal the sick. He came here to die on the cross to pay for our sins. He was resurrected as proof that indeed he has the power over death. And that's why we have to believe when he said through the gospel of John that those who believe even if you, even if you die, yet you shall live. He was talking about eternal life. That even after death, There is life in Christ. That eternal life doesn't even begin after death. It begins the moment you truly believe in Him. The moment you follow Him. And we do not want to trivialize the word believe and to follow Him. You know the meaning of following Him? It means you cannot follow yourself anymore. It means you cannot follow any man anymore. Any philosophy anymore except Him. There is eternal life in following Him. In the book of Mark, in the first recorded place He preached... In Mark 1 15, he said, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Then he walked and he saw Simon, Peter, and Andrew and said, follow me. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Then he walked some more and he saw James and John, the sons of Zebedee. And he said to them, follow me. And immediately they left their father and their hired servants, left their nets and followed Christ. I say to you, do not follow your own self, not your emotion, not what you feel, not even what you think. Rather, we say, Lord, I trust you as all-powerful, as Savior, as Master of the universe. I trust you more than myself, for I cannot give eternal life to myself, only you can. So I say to you, follow him today, not tomorrow, today, right now. Let us rise and let us pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your message. As we studied scripture, we understand more of you. That you were judge and yet defender. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That you receive the judgment of God meant for the sinners. That whoever believes in you, follows you, will receive the mercy, the grace of God. So we decide this day to follow you. Even if Egypt tries to follow us, we will not turn back. We will move forward trusting you. Regardless of what we leave behind, we do not care anymore. But what we want is to follow you and your word. Thank you, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Father, and the fellowship of His Spirit be with you all. And God's people say, Amen. Palakpakan natin ang Panginoon.